Well, of course, a joyous and Merry Christmas Eve to you and Christmas Day for you that awaits. May it be a joyous time of reunion and fellowship and rich conversation and gladness with loved ones. By phone, by internet, especially those who are gathered around a tree tomorrow morning or gathered at the breakfast table for a cup of coffee and celebrating this wondrous day. A question here for you. If I say onions with a sweet taste, what onion would you think of? Vidalia. Well, very well done. And, and what town and in what state comes to mind? Vidalia, Georgia. Yes, you got it. And if I say the best of the Gulf Coast oysters, what oysters would that be? George has it right here on the front row. Did y'all get it? A- oh, yes, yes. Apalachicola. And the best oysters of all are? Edisto. Oh, Ed- well, okay. George says the best of all are South Carolina oysters. Uh, and if I was to say, in what town and state do Apalachicola oysters come from, you would say, well, of course, Apalachicola, Florida. Right? Okay, good, good. And just as a little bit of trivia that you can say, we learned something tonight from the sermon. Apalachicola is the last place in the United States, according to record, where wild oysters are still harvested by tongs from small boats. Didn't know that, did you? I didn't either. And uh, in 2002, contrary to what Dr. McDaniel has said about the oysters... Uh, in the New York Times paper, they were rated as the best oysters. That's New York. Food critics, George <laughs> says that's New York. Food critics and restaurant owners from Miami and New Orleans say Apalachicola Bay oysters are among the finest. And chefs of fancy restaurants, this is quoting the New York Times, chefs of fancy restaurants in Charleston, South Carolina, prize them above oysters from their native coast. Well, end of quotation. That was, we won't, 2002. that was 2002, and we're doing even better. So let me now invite you to first century Palestine. And I, if I say lambs for sacrifice offerings, what lambs would come to mind? And the answer is Bethlehem lambs would come to mind. And so, of course, if I said, well, what town and in what region? are these lambs for sacrifice, it would be in Bethlehem, in Judea. Like Vidalia, Georgia, and like Apalachicola, Florida, that have a readily identifiable trademark, if you will, Bethlehem in Judah, or Judea, is where the lambs were raised, especially for the sacrifice during Passover each spring, for thousands of years. It was on those hillsides around Bethlehem, of which we heard even this evening, there were shepherds with their flocks. That is a, 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 a raising site and a raising area for the slaughter of the lambs at Passover. Bethlehem being only six or seven miles from Jerusalem. And um, there the shepherds have tended these sheep. A, lo- a convenient location, not far from the temple in Jerusalem for pilgrims who came from all over the world, all over the Mediterranean, to purchase the lambs rather than bring them with them. They would purchase them, those that had been raised nearby. 
That's a stunning thought to put in the context of what we celebrate this evening. For it is also here in Bethlehem of Judea that the Lamb, God's Lamb, was, you might say, or God's Lamb, you might say, was born also. This Lamb who would one day be the sacrifice that would end the need for any other kind of sacrifice forever. And this Lamb, as we all know, was also the child to be born to Mary, espoused to Joseph. And this child, the Lamb, would become the shepherd. But he is the good shepherd who, as he teaches later as an adult, will lay down his life for the sheep. And this lamb, this child, this shepherd would also become a king. Gabriel speaking to Mary as he announces to Mary that she will conceive this particular gift to the world says a lot about this gift, but this is a a three-part place of interest. Gabriel says, the Lord God, well, first of all, he said he will be great. We know that now 2,011 years later. We've known it for 20 centuries. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. But here are the three points. The Lord God will give him first. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Secondly, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And thirdly, his kingdom, this kingdom that is established, will never end. Three truths. We can look at them briefly this evening as we celebrate Messiah's coming. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Never, ever, before or after has Israel known the days of prosperity, national unity, peacefulness in self-rule, and even the expansion of their territory as they knew it around 1000 B.C. when David replaced Saul as king and ruled with a generous as well as a mighty hand. An Israelite or a Jew would say, I believe there was and never will be a king like David, the shepherd boy, warrior, military genius, brilliant politician, strategist, Jerusalem, an unknown city in this land of Palestine. Jerusalem becomes the new political, economic, and religious center of the United Tribes, north and south, placed smack dab in a place where nobody really had prior ownership to Jerusalem, and he makes of it by establishing in this fashion the great city that it is even to this day. David, poet, musician, and perhaps most especially, and would that we could say this of all of us, Most especially, David, a great man of God too. Not perfect, not flawless, but a faith-filled great man of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, that a throne would be established 
and the lineage of David. And if you can imagine any greater kingdom ever, it would be a kingdom established on David's throne. And this individual who is born will establish this kingdom. They think back a thousand years. They've been waiting a thousand years. And of course, he's mistaken and misunderstood at times, even in his own life, as the, the conquering king or the warrior king or the king who would establish himself and drive out the Romans. But he is to be a greater king than that. Gabriel tells Mary, secondly, that this king will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that great lineage of the family of God. And that this individual born this night that we celebrate will reign over the house of Jacob forever. A rabbi, Baruch Davidson, describes the name of Jacob and the house of Jacob in this fashion. Jacob, the rabbi wrote, is a Jew still in the thick of the battle of life. A battle which he must wage with furtiveness and stealth for he is in enemy territory and must disguise his true intentions in order to outmaneuver those who attempt to ensnare him. And the fact that man is born to toil and that human life is an obstacle course of challenges to one's integrity. And yet, living as a member of the house of Jacob is the task is never to compromise one's integrity. The rabbi goes on and says this of the house of Jacob. Under that name, the one who um, um, grabbed the heel of his brother as he came out of the womb. God sees no guilt in Jacob. For despite all that Jacob must face, he has been granted the capacity to meet his every detractor. He never loses his intrinsic goodness and purity, which ultimately asserts itself no matter how much it has been repressed by the travails of life. While he might be free of sin, he is never free of toil, of the struggle to maintain his sinless state. For Jacob, the war of life rages ever on, regardless of how many of his battles he has won. And the rabbi is speaking to Jews and inviting them into uh, enjoying membership, not only in the house of Abraham, if you will, in the house of Isaac, but this house of Jacob, which is defined by this individual's life and his own witness. And the angel Gabriel says, Jesus will be like a member of the house of Jacob. He will battle and wage war with difficulty against all the obstacles of the world. He won't be able to avoid that, even though he is son of God. He will enter into the fullness of life and he will never be free of toil. And he wasn't, but he will ultimately be victorious as Isaiah himself foretold, as we heard read this evening. And this kingdom, the throne of his father David, reigning over the house of Jacob, this king will never end. The only kingdom that will be standing at time's end, let Olam is the Hebrew, forever let Olam. What sort of kingdom will never end? Well, first, a short answer is, it's certainly not a geographical kingdom that come and go with the passage of time, Rome or Greece or whatever kingdom we might name even closer in our history. 
This is a kingdom located somewhere else than geographically. And it's a kingdom where lives who are members of the kingdom are dedicated to love, justice, and living right with God and with one another. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus spends a great deal of time teaching about this kingdom and trying to stir the interest and excitement of the people to seek this kingdom. He tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that those who know their dependency and need of God, they will be inheritors of the kingdom, subjects of the kingdom. He said, and those who are persecuted for the cause of righteousness, they will be members of this kingdom. He also encourages everyone. He says, seek first his kingdom. All these other things that distract you will be added to you as well. But seek first his kingdom. He says, which is a sobering thought for every God-fearing individual. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my father. And Jesus said, to the shock of many, and perhaps even to us, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, tax collectors, those horrendous, corrupt individuals, tax collectors, and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Of course, what he's describing are people who know their need of God, have lived lives of sin, and have turned from that life, and seeking the Lord, they find forgiveness and acceptance. The self-righteous must beware, however. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near, but my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place, he tells Pontius Pilate. And mysteriously for each one of us, he said, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God. It's not an automatic, unless he is born again or born from above. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water, the waters of repentance, and born of the Spirit, receiving the gift of the person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. So, this Gabriel gives big news to Mary. No wonder she had to ponder that news as well as the news from the shepherds who came also with expectation and descriptive information about this king who would be born. The Lamb of God. The child who becomes the shepherd. Who becomes the king of this new kingdom. Who becomes Lamb of God. So this kingdom is a kingdom of the hearts of those who say yes to Jesus. And the essential commerce in this kingdom, the primary commodities to be traded in this kingdom, are to be love. One of our great hymns speaks of, the king of love my shepherd is. Commodity to be traded, love, grace, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, reconciliation, truth, and justice. Tonight, it is not Vidalia, Georgia, nor is it Apalachicola, Florida, but Bethlehem in Judea, where all eyes of faith are focused. For to you is born this day 
in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Shepherd, the Sacrifice, the King. The Gospel of John, writing probably around 90 or a little later, 90 A.D., 60 years after the death of Jesus, speaks of the difficulty with how the world wrestles with this king and this kingdom. John writes, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which his own, but his own did not receive him. But that yet that follows is a yet for you and for me and for all. Yet to all who received him, yes, Lord, come, Lord, into my heart. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, Yeshua, Savior, Son of God. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right, the privilege, if you will, to become children of God. These children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, born spiritually by the Spirit, born of God. Would you turn with me this evening to your Sunday, I'm sorry, it's called the Sunday News on Sunday, the bulletin that you have this evening, and look with me on the front cover of this and read along with me for a moment. Find the fourth paragraph down. Where it begins, there is so much. On the front. There is so much for us to embrace. Let me read it to you and you follow along with me. There is so much for us to embrace. There is so much for us to take in. There is so much yet to understand of the full implications of Christ coming to this planet. To His people. To all people. To you and to me. The light. The hope. Grace and truth, thus the gift of the liturgical journey that leads us to revisit annually the primary truths given to us through Jesus Christ. And we are called to be diligent, to recollect, to remember, to be humbled, to give thanks, to celebrate, to receive Him, to receive His Holy Spirit, to be changed, transformed more and more into His likeness, the likeness of Incarnate in us as well of love, mercy, compassion, boldness, strength, and courage, and godly wisdom. Here we are, 2,011 years removed, yet the event can be as fresh and new as a newborn baby, fresh and new as new birth in our hearts, increasing faith, hope, and love. Brothers and sisters, let Him come in. Let Him in. Let him rule. A final image of this king shepherd lamb. You can say this of him. In the 52 card deck, he's the king of hearts. And this king of hearts trumps all other cards in the deck. He's the best card you can have in your hand. He wants you to take the cards of your life and put His card on top, this King of Hearts. And He wants you to play this card every time. And He wants you to win at the game of life. I close with the verse of a hymn. 
verse 3 and verse 5. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. In the last verse of our little town of Bethlehem, how silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. Cast out our sin and enter in. There's the invitation. Be born in us today. No, we hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Say yes to Jesus tonight again. Or anew. Or for the first time. Say yes, Lord. And start anew. Amen.